Let's begin with our Bibles open to Romans chapter 2. I'm going to reference Romans chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. You cannot say too many things about how thankful we should be that we can open this book, the Bible, that we can lift to God our thanksgiving and praise for His Word, that we can now spend a few moments with our attention directed to His Word. This is no ordinary routine we are engaged in. This is a high privilege that should always be accompanied by reverence, humility, and gratitude to God. Listen, please. Romans chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This is a section in the book of Romans where Paul is anxious to get across one main idea, and that is our problem is sin. Big sins, little sins, good people, bad people, Jews, Gentiles, What's important is to know we have all sinned. We've done some things that displease God, and there is no partiality with God. God's justice doesn't ignore anyone who's done anything wrong. Verse 12 says, as many as have sinned. If you ever struggle in addressing the reality of sin, I want to recommend you read this section in Romans, chapter 1, 2, and 3. I believe you'll see clearly our problem is sin, and that problem can be solved by God's grace only through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We become individual recipients of God's grace through Christ when we believe in Him and activate that faith. Now, wouldn't it be great if God had built into us some mechanism, some warning system that would sound an alarm when we sin? Entertain some evil thought, this alarm would go off in your mind. Tell a lie, you would hear it. Think about telling a lie, this alarm would go off. Get involved in any sinful activity, this built-in mechanism sends you the strong signal, you have sinned. Well, this is exactly what God did. He built into us this mechanism to set off the alarm of guilt when we sin. It is called the conscience. I want you to listen again to Romans 2, 11 through 16. 
Please listen for it. Romans 2, 11 through 16. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. This morning, we're not going to talk about everything in this passage, but I want us to understand better this thing called conscience. And what I'm going to get to is, what do you do when this alarm goes off? God built into us this alarm called conscience. What do you do? when this alarm goes off. We're going to explore that together. It is critical for us to begin with a clear definition. What is the conscience? Here's the short answer. It is that part of the inner person that either confirms or condemns our behavior. Back of that, there is the fundamental that God created us in his own image. Genesis 1.27. God has a perfect sense of right versus wrong. He defines right versus wrong. And his grasp of moral difference is absolutely supreme. Now, when God made us, he gave us the capacity not only to recognize right versus wrong and to learn it, but he built into us a warning system. Commonly, we call it a conscience. And when we do wrong, we call it a guilty conscience. When you learn what is right and wrong, you are feeding good data to this warning system, the conscience. Then when you entertain an evil thought, when you tell a lie, when you treat someone with contempt, when you sin, the warning system kicks in and you feel bad about yourself, a guilty conscience. When you do good, your conscience approves or confirms that you did good. Let me give you two examples from the Old Testament. The first implies a guilty conscience. The second clearly states it. Genesis chapter 3, after the sin of Adam and Eve, the Bible says their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. And verse 10 says, Adam says, I was afraid. I hid myself. See, I don't think this capacity of heart we call conscience gradually evolved over thousands of years. No, I think Adam and Eve had this warning system and this implies they knew they were guilty. This would be, without argument, the first historic instance of a guilty conscience. For the second example, I need to take us to 2 Samuel 
24.10. This is about David who had sinned. He sinned in numbering the people, placing confidence in the wrong place. And when he was called to account for this, it says, David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the people, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. His conscience sounded an alarm. And his conscience said loud and clear, you've done wrong. His response was to repent and to seek the Lord's forgiveness. So there is this part of us that did not evolve. It did not merely function on an environmental or social level. It is the conscience. God gave us this capacity. It is that part of the inner person that either confirms or condemns our behavior. Now, it works this way. As you learn the Word of God, you are programming the conscience. You are inputting data for future use. Then when you sin, your sin activates the conscience and you feel guilty. Now what? What next? What do you do when that alarm goes off? You've all heard about those classic tales where a warning signal light comes up on the dashboard of someone's car, and the driver deals with that by putting a little piece of tape over that warning light. Or when the smoke alarm goes off and you smash it with a broom or remove the battery. Well, the question we're dealing with now is far greater. It concerns my soul, your soul. God gave us this internal alarm system. Hopefully, we have programmed it with his will, his standard of right and wrong. What do we do when the alarm goes off? I have these points to make for us to consider. What do we do when the alarm of conscience goes off? Don't turn the volume down. Here's what happens over and over. You do something you know is wrong, the well-trained conscience sends out the signal to make you feel guilty, and you just turn the volume down. You turn the volume down and go ahead and do what you want. There is a serious problem with that approach. If you get into this habit, if you ignore the promptings of conscience, gradually, over time, you destroy the conscience leaving you vulnerable to all manner of sin. Turn to 1 Timothy 4 and verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. And I want to point out one expression about this. Paul is telling Timothy what lies ahead, how bad it would be, and one thing he says is, their own conscience seared with a hot iron. These individuals were speaking lies and hypocrisy, and as they continued that behavior, they stopped listening to conscience. And eventually they damaged their conscience, and that left them open to further transgression, like tape placed over the check engine light. Same thing in Ephesians 4.19, being past feeling. When you sin and feel guilty, 
but you turn the volume down. When your sense of shame deteriorates, you know it's wrong, you keep doing it, you just keep turning the volume of conscience down. You reach a place where there is no guilt. You have no shame about it. The conscience is seared over. You don't want to get to that point. So when your conscience sends you the warning signal, pay attention. When the conscience sends out that alarm that says, this is wrong, don't turn the volume down. Don't change the data. Remember how the conscience works. It has to be programmed with good data. Good data from God's word. For example, the word says it is wrong to lie. You program your conscience with that. When you think about lying or you do it, your conscience will condemn you, sending out that signal. What some folks then want to do is change the data, and they will begin to rationalize, and they will have conversations with themselves. Maybe lying isn't that bad. I've been taught by old people from this old book. Maybe they're wrong. There are other books that don't condemn lying. You see what's happening? There is an effort after violating the conscience to deny the truth of the data, to reconstruct the information so that there is misinformation. This is why we need to teach our little children to know God and trust God and to embrace the truth of his word. We want our children to program their conscience with God's truth. In order for your conscience to function for your good, it must have the right programming. And we were created, we were brought into existence for the purpose of living according to the standards of our creator. The question comes up sometimes, can you trust the conscience? Well, here's the way to answer that. You cannot trust the conscience itself, but you can trust the word of God working through the conscience. The word of God has to be there. If you know what is right and wrong, if you have been trained by the word, if your conscience has the right programming, don't change the programming to create artificial permission to sin. So when your conscience sounds, don't turn the volume down. Don't change the data. Use the word of God to inform and program your conscience. Then let the promptings of conscience have your attention. When a conscience informed by God's word condemns you, don't ignore the signal. Repent. Repent. Listen again, 2 Samuel 24.10, the case of David we referred to earlier. David's heart struck him after he numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. He was guilty of sin. He didn't turn the volume down. He didn't deny the truth or rationalize. He said, I have sinned. He actually said more than that. He said, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. This is what a good man does when he sins. He repents. Repentance means you admit you were wrong 
and you change. Repentance is not, I got caught, I'll have to admit it. Repentance is, I did it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm changing. The activity of a good conscience should be a step in the direction of full repentance. When a conscience, informed and empowered by God's word, accuses you and causes guilt, the wise and right response is to repent. Admit you've lied and don't lie again. If you just thought about it, be on the alert moving forward. Confess you were involved in things that are wrong and do what is right. Tell God you're sorry and use his word to reform. This is what you do when your conscience sends out that alarm, when your conscience says, ouch. And then seek God's forgiveness. This is the other thing David did in the passage in 2 Samuel 24.10. Listen again. David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people, and David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. This is a simple request for forgiveness. Please take away the iniquity of your servant. If your conscience is informed by the word of God, there will be times when that internal mechanism will prompt you to repent of your sin and ask God to forgive you, and that will result in a cleared conscience. It is crucial to understand. God doesn't just pass out forgiveness without a basis for atonement or without conditions. The basis for atonement is the death of Christ. The condition is that we repent. So when the alarm sounds from a conscience informed by God's word, don't turn the volume down. Don't change the data. Repent and seek God's forgiveness to cleanse your conscience. I want you to turn to 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21. If, when you do what is wrong, your conscience causes you to suffer guilt, the other side of that is your conscience, when informed by the word of God, prompts you to obey the word of God. Thus it is, when you hear, believe, and obey the gospel, and when you do what the Bible says about baptism, that's the answer of a good conscience toward God. That's the answer of a good conscience toward God. You have that passage open in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you hear, believe, and obey the gospel, and when you do what the Bible says about baptism, that's the answer of a good conscience toward God. Let me make this personal. If you know what the Bible says about sin, about the value of Christ's death and the response of baptism, and yet you have not been baptized, what does your conscience tell you to do now? 
Please, if you're listening to this live feed and your conscience, informed by God's word, is telling you to repent and be baptized, get in touch with us. If we can help you fulfill that great response to God. Thank you for listening.